You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by UFM Underwear. Head to UFMunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN for $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And this is a big win. Here we are previewing the big top 10 matchup between the Gators and the Tigers in Death Valley, Baton Rouge. Going to be a tough one for these Gators, and I'm going to have you covered on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Former LSU quarterback Josh Booty will be joining me uh, to preview these Tigers, as well as Brody Miller from The Athletics. So two really good guests to get the LSU side of things. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good info uh, coming up from those guys. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, check us out there, and also check us out later on this week at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown for an exclusive interview every week with Ben Troop. Ben, uh, we'll definitely get his thoughts on the uh, looking back at the Auburn game and this big matchup with the Tigers as well. Josh Booty, former LSU Browns, Raiders, Seahawks quarterback and host of Believe in LSU football podcast. Joining us here on Gators Breakdown, Josh, we were talking just before we came on here, man. I think uh, I think we're both ready for this one. Oh, man, it's going to be a big one. I know Baton Rouge is, you know, before the season, you kind of circle the big ones. And and uh, at home, especially because the fan base and how fired up we, we like to, to be in Tiger Stadium and the fans enjoy that atmosphere. And this one was the big circle game. So, you know, every, you know, who knew that we were both going to come in undefeated and looking this good? And, of course, Dan Mullen's done a tremendous job. Ed Orgeron's done a – tremendous job kind of revamping what uh, we needed to do to get better in the off season with this spread offense. But man, this is, this is what football is all about. I mean, I'm fired up as you are. And I know the, the Gator fans were fired up after last week and now the showdown is set. Absolutely. Before we get then everything we'll see on the field. All right, Josh, you, you have to set the scene for from a player's perspective for, for, uh, for a big Saturday night game in Death Valley. <laughs> Well, it's always uh, the the of course the best atmosphere in the state of Louisiana. Every year we get three or four of these, and uh, you know when ESPN Game Day is is showing up uh, for the home game, you know it's big. And then you're playing a a team that you you know that you've had some trouble with over the years. To be honest with you, we've had some big games and we've won some big games, but we've also you know last two. Uh, years have been a very a big a struggle for us really offensively the last three years against Florida and Dan Mullins has given us fits I mean two years ago at Mississippi State he 
He uh, they routed us in Starkville, so we know how good of a coach uh, Dan Mullen is, a game day coach he is, and we know how much speed you guys come to the table with, and we know how good a defense you play. So we haven't seen a defense as good as Florida, but this this Saturday night in in Death Valley is pretty awesome, and and it's a good opportunity for us to showcase our talent, and 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 the same for you guys. You know, it's going to be a fun atmosphere for both teams, and I know the Gators will enjoy being in that kind of atmosphere as well. It's going to be loud. It's going to be fun. Let's move on to the field a little bit and, and what you see from a quarterback perspective. What is it about Joe Brady's and, and Steve Insminger's offense that make it so accessible for this offense to work for you, you kind of, you know, from the get go, you know, Steve Insminger, he's still the same, you know, he's still the offensive coordinator from years past. So what's the main difference in what mm-hmm. Brady has, what, what's the difference Brady has brought in and teaching, you know, of course, what Joe Burrow has been able to do. Yeah, I think it's just the understanding of, you know, four and five wide receiver sets um, helping. You know, we've got a veteran ball club. We really do. Burrow's a fifth-year senior. We've got four offensive linemen uh, returning this year. So, And we've got just a bevy of wide receivers that are going to be NFL guys. So when you when you put that together uh, on paper, you know, it's like, you know, we should throw the football, right? I mean, and then you bring in a guy like Joe Brady this offseason who had spent some time with Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints, and nobody really knows how to throw the ball much better in the world than Sean Payton does and the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. So I think just having that clarity that, hey, guys, try this, try that. You know, we can do this, we can do that. There's so much more that we can be if we just understand you know, the passing game and then starting to create that culture. And we did it in the off season. Who knew that we would, you know, be leading the nation and scoring after five or six weeks of the football season. But I thought that we had the, you know, everybody knew. And that's why we were upset the last 10 or 12 years or is because we've got all this talent yet, you know, we weren't producing on offense. And, you know, I think we scored 46 points in the last three games versus Florida. We scored 10 in the last three games against Alabama. So offense has been an issue for LSU, and we needed to have this thing open up a little bit, make make defenses really think about what they got to do against us and make them cover every blade of grass. And and that's what it looks like this year. It looks like Joe Burr has done an unbelievable job at getting the ball to the right guy, playing tough, uh, we've protected him well, and, man, it just looks really good. Uh, you know, it re- looks really good in the stat book, but it- it's been looking good on the field, too, and it's a, it's a very decent, you know, it's a very awesome surprise. We, we didn't know that we were going to look this good going into, you know, the middle of the or the meat of our schedule. And with this new offense, we've seen the run game not necessarily take off like the passing game. And of course, you know, of course, it's a complete, it's a completely different offense. You know, it's not going to be the same traditional, you know, power run game that mm-hmm. we're used to seeing with LSU. Uh, is that a product of the offense now, or or what do the yeah. Tigers need to do to improve there? I saw Dan Mullen's uh, press conference, his presser, this uh, couple of days ago, and. You know, it's like they asked him about the spread offense in LSU, and he goes, I, I would be doing the same thing. It fits their talent. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it just a second ago. I think it's just, you know, Joe Burrow is an older guy. He he is a decent thrower. He throws the ball on time. He's an accurate guy. He He's not as, uh, afraid to step up in the pocket. We've got four returning offensive linemen, and we've got five, you know, four or five guys at wide out that can make just 
play after play after play. We don't drop a lot of footballs, and I'll knock on wood because we, our receivers are sure, have been sure-handed thus far through the season, and that's been a surprise too because we weren't a passing team. But going back to not running the football, I think it's just a product of you know us opening it up, us see you know we're getting the ball to the tailbacks. It's just in it's a little bit more in the pass game. We threw. I think we completed 15 balls the first week to running backs. We've never we've never completed more than three balls in a game to run to running backs <laughs> or two balls. You know, so it's it's a completely different way of getting these guys the football. It's a fun brand of football to watch. I grew up in the spread and five wides in high school, and I wish that it, I would have had this. At <laughs> I think every quarterback that ever came through there wished they'd have had this offense. You know, but. You know, it's it's just time. It's 2019. It's time to score points with the with the talent that we've got. And I think that's why we've gone to the pass game. Now we can we can line up in short yardage and goal line, and I think be as good about, be about as good as anybody in the country uh, running the football. We've got four or five really capable backs, and uh, you know, so we could be strong in that if we wanted to be. But the strength of our team is definitely a wide receiver. Now, since this is a Gators podcast, you know we have to cater to to, to my listeners a little bit. How how would you stop yes, this? How would you stop this LSU offense? Well, I think you got to you definitely got to put heat on, on on the passer. You know, Joe Burrow is he's not a huge threat running the ball. The thing is, he's he's good enough to escape and get five, six, seven, eight, nine yards if he has to. He can pick up a first down with his leg. I would you know I would try try to be really, really good and aggressive with the front four uh, and, and and then be able to drop, you know, seven in coverage, to be honest with you, because we've got so many great receivers. And and I'd mix the coverages up on him really good. I'd bring some blitzes every now and then. I know Grantham does a good job of that, and that's what he's known for. But you've got to win your one-on-one battles up front on the defensive line to create pressure. I think, you know, our offensive line is good at LSU, but it's not it's it, you know these guys aren't first round picks we might have one guy that's an early first day guy and so it's not like we've got monsters across the board we got guys that are veterans and they know what they're doing but they're not the biggest baddest dudes on the planet so i'm thinking if i'm florida i am going to rush I, i'm going to try to rush with my front four and create some chaos and get in burrow's face it's like you know, I, I watch the Patriots a lot and Tom Brady and how successful he's been over the years. But Buffalo a couple of weeks ago, they got in his kitchen, right? And he, you know, he's not a Michael Vick running the ball. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I think that's the best way to do it is get some pressure up front with your front four. And man, that, that you got to get in that quarterback's face. I think that's really the answer because if you can, if, you, if he sits back there, he's going to pick you apart. And if you blitz him and he sees it coming, uh, we've got great receivers that, really can hurt you in some blitz situations where he gets the ball out to the right guy and it's off to the races or, you know, one-on-one versus safety now uh, because there's a, a lack of coverage. So I think that, you know, just front four guys have got to do an unbelievable job against him for Florida to uh, create a lot of chaos. Josh Booty, former LSU quarterback and host of Believe in LSU football podcast, joining us here on Gators Breakdown. A couple more thoughts uh, from him before we let him go here. Josh, no doubt this LSU offense has put the LSU defense on the field more, but this still doesn't look like what we know what LSU defense can look like. Uh, what other aspects mm-hmm. What other aspects besides just being on the field more are contributing to that, that little bit of fall off on defense? Yeah, I think we've had some, you know, up front we've had some injuries. Um, 
Richard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, um, Caleb on chase on our DN. He hasn't been uh, full speed all year, really, maybe the first game. I mean, so we've had three, three injuries right there on the defensive front and we hope to get Lawrence back and chase on it, it hopefully be almost full strength again. So two out of the three will be back. Logan's a little limited. Uh, so I think up front, it's just the health of the defensive line is, is one of the reasons why we've kind of, we've broke down a few times. Uh, we've, we've missed a few tackles. We've been a little bad in some, you know, in some, I guess, some gap consistency with where you're supposed to be on lining up. I think, you know, a lot of teams too, we're, we're scoring so fast. It's weird to say, cause I've never, we've never talked like that about LSU, <laughs> but <laughs> we're scoring so fast. I think, Two weeks ago against Vandy, we scored seven times inside of two minutes and 11 seconds on offense. So you got to run back out there on the field. And now, also the team that you're playing against, if you're way ahead or you you get ahead 14, 21 points, they they have to throw the ball yeah. every every down. You know, so it gets them out of being balanced as well. So your defense sees a lot of uh, down the field throws, a lot of different things that you know it's like you know, it's a, the offenses have to play different against you when you're up that much. So it's like, you know, they, they throw every down, they try to try new things and, you know, maybe there's some breakdowns in coverage and our defensive line didn't play too well. And it just looks, it looks bad on paper. Uh, but, but, you know, our defense has handled really their business in terms of keeping them, you know, uh, us getting up early and doing those types of things. I mean, we have been we we've done a really good job, except for the Texas game. That was a shootout. Uh, that could have really gone either way, to be honest with you. They Texas could have won that ball game at home. A couple things happened, but um, you know, I think we've just been we, we've got to get better on defense. We've got to be able to shut some of these SEC type caliber teams down uh, when it really counts, and then we'll we'll see how good of a team we really are. You know, I think the the uh, the sky's the limit because we've got a lot of good players. It's just you know we need to do it on Saturdays and in this these types of environments. The good thing is we've got Florida at home, we've got Auburn at home in a couple of weeks, and then of course we have to go to to Alabama. But we've got a great home schedule. Even A and M has to come to us this year. So uh, advantage to us on on the schedule, uh, and hopefully that'll help us defensively playing at home. Yeah, and it's been about a month since the Texas game, and, and since then LSU's faced Northwestern State, uh, Vanderbilt, a bye week in, in Utah State. You know, when you go through a stretch like that before a big game like this one, and, and Florida's coming off a big win versus Auburn, is there you know any worry about complacency or, or, or a lack of challenge that could hurt this LSU team? Well, you know, you always worry about that. I would worry about it if I was a head coach, but I think the significance of the ball game, I mean, yeah. knowing that game day's there, knowing that there's going to be 100,000 people, knowing it's a night game, it's like you're going to get the best, you know, you're going to get our best. We know we're going to get Florida's best. It's like Florida's riding a the high. They believe they should be there, right? They beat us last year. They know they can do it. There's a lot of things that they can take from past experiences and recent past experiences with that win against Auburn. Auburn had, had won two huge games this year, Oregon and A&M, and Florida was able to be the team that had probably had the best two wins in the country and combined. And then, so there's a lot that Mullen and the guys can take at Florida. And then at LSU, it's like, you know what? We won a huge game at Texas. We should be healthier now, guys. We've played three or four games that we should have won. We haven't, you know, we haven't been tested yet. So this is our time to show the world what we can do. And so Orgeron can 
can manufacture some, some you know, some, the, I guess, some clarity to the guys that, hey, we need to step up and play. There shouldn't be any complacency here, you know. And I don't, I don't think there will, will be any fall off in effort uh, or, or anything intensity, that's for sure, because this is a, as big as it gets at home all year. Like I said, we circled this one before the season. All right, last thought here. Uh, how big is this game for Orgeron? And I feel like this this LSU fan base yeah. is full, fully ready uh, to accept him, but still some of the bigger wins have to come along with that. They do. Um, this is one we really desperately need, and he needs. I mean, everybody's falling in love with him. Everybody's falling in love with the way that we're playing on offense. But you're right. If this becomes a shootout or if we don't play well at all on defense, man, they're going to really – they're going to really come down on Orgeron. We're not a complete team, you know, and I can see it happening if, if you know, if we did lose the ball game, uh, them becoming very, very tough on him. And, of course, we play Auburn in two weeks, like I mentioned, in Alabama and four weeks after a bye. But, I mean, this thing could get really interesting if it went the other way. You know, we believe that, you know, things are on the up and up. Uh, of course, you guys do too. Uh, especially with the with the head coach and and the way that you guys are playing, I think you've gotten a ton out of your backup quarterback. I think he's the right guy for the situation for the moment this year and Trask. And so I mean, I, I you know, it, it, Orgeron's uh, Orgeron would be way more on the hot seat than Dan Mullen. There's no doubt if he lost, you know, three regular season games this year. And we definitely don't want to lose this this home one against you guys. We y'all beat us last year, so. For us, this is, a, this is a huge game. That's Josh Booty, former LSU, Browns, Raiders, Seahawks quarterback, and host of Believe in LSU football podcast, joining us here on Gators Breakdown. Josh, let our listeners know out there uh, what the Believe podcast network is all about. <laughs> yeah, man, it's awesome. It's a L.A.-based, Los Angeles-based podcast, but they cover uh, a ton of sports and business and, and all kinds of things all over the country with different uh, casters out there but you know i do the lsu podcast and and i do cover the sec and some of the national scene as well on my podcast and 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 uh, i have a co-host rachel barbeau who lives in uh, nashville and she just does a wonderful job she's actually a heisman trophy voter uh, she's covered the national championship uh, on tv for the last four or five years so i've got a great co-host or she really hosts the show i'm her co-host and and we do a wonderful job with the LSU stuff. So if you're an LSU fan, you want to tune in to Believe Podcasts and, and uh, the LSU stuff on the Believe Podcast Network with us. But it's uh, at Believe, at B-L-E-A-B. And I appreciate you letting me give it a shout out. Absolutely. A good friend uh, and former Gator Tate Casey does the one uh, for Florida. Uh, there. Yes, so, yes. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good stuff coming from you guys there. And, Josh, man, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me here on Gators Breakdown, giving us a, a great preview of these Tigers. Man, I appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on the show. We've got to go try UFM underwear, guys. You know, it's hot out there. First week of October, still hot out there. Uh, if you were out there tailgating in Gainesville this past weekend, uh, you can attest to that uh, there. So whether you're tailgating or working, you do need a pair of UFM underwear. Underwear for Men is the only brand of men's underwear that offers both isolation and support, all while keeping you cool. Unlike other pouch underwear brands that have thin mesh panels or pre-sized pouches, Underwear for Men's patented pending design prevents skin-on-skin contact and eliminates chafing. Underwear for Men is a state of Florida company, so if you shop there, you are shopping local, and they have you covered no matter the activity. Everyday underwear, 
athletic underwear, work underwear, medical underwear. Underwear for men is made for it all. Go try your pair now. Head over to ufmunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN to get $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. Brody Miller from The Athletic joining us here this week on Gators Breakdown to preview this big LSU game as the Gators travel to Death Valley to take on the Tigers. All right, Brody, as we inch closer to this game and everything surrounding it, it being a top 10 matchup, college game day going to Death Valley, a night game. How is the build-up buzz in Baton Rouge right now? It's, it's one of the better ones and uh, probably since going into Alabama last year, I'd say. I mean, it's, uh, it's a perfect one because it's a combination of everything, right? You got a five or seven matchup that's good enough as is. You got, the, you know, you got all the excitement surrounding this new offense and finally getting it tested against the, you know, one of the best defenses in the country. You have revenge a revenge possibility against you know the, the team that knocked off LSU's undefeated season last year, and then you have two two fan bases and teams that have a lot of animosity for each other. So it's definitely uh it's definitely the best you know build up we've seen this year. And I have a gut feeling Saturday night game in Tiger Stadium is going to be it's going to be pretty off the charts to be honest. Man, you you mentioned it. That's exactly where I was going next. And. Uh... This has become uh, a nasty rivalry in recent years, Brody. These fan bases just don't like each other. They're, there's very little respect for the other side. And that has also, of course, bled into the players uh, a little bit as well. We've heard from LSU players this week that they know Florida doesn't like them and, and the feelings mutual uh, from the LSU side as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, LSU's just taking a very you know, matter-of-fact approach to it this week. Of you know, They're not even talking trash. They're just kind of being like, yeah, it's pretty clear we don't like each other. There's, yeah, there's no secret there. Yeah, uh, it's uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, think like you know, think for uh, Joe Burrow for example. I mean, we all we all remember Joe Burrow through his first career interception that game on that last drive for the pick six to to the, to you know officially seal the game. You got that was also the game where LSU's offensive line you know was just embarrassed by Florida. Eleven tackles for loss, five sacks. I know Lloyd Cushenberry, the LSU center, was telling us that. You know, he he printed those stats out and put it on, on every offensive lineman's locker to remind them. So I think aside from just even the normal animosity between them, I think there's just this massive chip on LSU's shoulder going into this week of, of kind of vindication. Brody, from the LSU side, you know, the Florida fan base, you know, the, the, the Tennessee rivalries kind of died down a little bit because of Tennessee not really, you know, being that team that we remember in the 90s and early 2000s and, you know, Spurrier and Former were going at it uh, every year in the 90s. And, you know, Florida LSU started playing uh, these big games when Urban Meyer was head coach and, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, when these teams, you know, it had national title implications. And then, you know, that's when Tennessee kind of started falling by the wayside and this LSU game started just meaning more um, and, and kind of has rose up a little bit, you know, for the Florida fan base as, as such a rivalry. You know, it's definitely behind Florida State and Georgia, but there's a lot of, you know, the Florida fan base putting this rivalry, uh, you know, right behind those two now. Uh, is that feeling from the LSU side and fans as well? Do you get that sense of, from, from talking to other, uh, you know, if, or talking to the LSU fan base and, and being around that fan base? Has this game kind of r r ramped up? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I guess for my first answer would be yes, absolutely. But it, it, LSU's in a really interesting place right now with rivalries, right? Because 
I mean, okay, obviously LSU, Alabama is the one that, like, they're, like, from pure just, like, football-y perspective, that matters the most to them. You know, that's that's the team they're chasing. That's, you know, that that they, that drives them crazy. It's been, like, eight years since they won, nine years since they won that game. But, and then, you know, LSU-Ole Miss, that's probably the most historic rivalry of all the LSU rivalries and the one that, you know, I think a lot of LSU people, you know, from a – if you're going year by year all time is probably the one they, they might care about most. But – but then that one's obviously died down with you know Ole Miss falling off, and then and then you also have this weird thing right now where a lot of like LSU's starting to get kind of chippy with like every team, you know. <laughs> now the Texas A&M rivalry's really kind of skyrocketed in the past two years with post game fights and Jimbo Fisher that whole dynamic, and now Scott Woodward coming over, you know, from A&M to LSU, and and all the recruiting battles they've had. I mean that, that's become kind of the the new chippy one, but. I think Florida kind of holds its own place as, you know, just the one that's kind of the best mesh of everything. It, it's, it has the animosity and just kind of like hostility and chippiness that the A&M one has. It has the the football equality. You know, I think of, actually, I think of all these rivalries we're naming, I think LSU and Florida have, has had them some of the best games and the best football, you know, a sense of, you know, they're usually in similar places, I guess is the best way to put it from a football perspective when they play. So that always means a lot. And, I, and I, I think this is one that, you know, you, you'll see LSU fans, you know, uh, cooking, cooking Gator at the tailgate Saturday, <laughs> Tiger Bait. You know, like there, there's a lot of – I think this is the one next to Alabama that LSU fans at this point in time probably get the most up for. You know, man, so here we are, October, coming into this season for LSU. It was – you know, we were finally going to see a different LSU offense, and after years of hearing that, this offense is different, yeah. You know, and, and with that difference comes a, a massive improvement in the passing game. Are you surprised at how fast this offense just came together and, and successful right away? Um, I'm definitely. I mean, uh, I, I definitely. I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. I had a feeling Joe Brady was that good of a coach. You know, I, I you just talk to people and it's like, okay, this guy is sharp. This guy's shooting up the ranks. He's he's somebody. And I let, I was always a Joe Burrow defender last season. I always I always thought Joe Burrow got a little overly criticized for an offense that was a mess around him. So I always thought, okay, I think this I think this actually could kind of make some progress. But there is no scenario in which I saw this happening. You know, it, I never could have imagined that being number one scoring offense and and being. It's not even just that. Okay, they pulled off that the offense works and they actually you know they actually implemented it it's how efficient and machine-like they are. It's, it's how in control of the offense they are. That's, that's what surprised me most. And it's not just like a, hey, he's a good coach and he can do these things. It's, it's a combination of Joe Burrow and, and Joe Brady and offense coordinator Steve Ensminger and this loaded receiving corpse. It's just, I think, I think a lot of credit here goes to Joe Burrow because Joe Brady's the kind of the, the mastermind and, and Steve Ensminger is the, you know, kind of the general of the whole thing. But but I don't think this works as quickly as it did. If you don't have a fifth-year senior in Joe Burrow, who's also a really smart guy and kind of one – he had a – I'm not in any way comparing him to this person, but he has that Tom Brady kind of, like, obsessiveness. Like, I don't think he has much of a life outside of football, but he's one of those kind of people. And I don't think this works if he's not, like, the guy from the second Joe Brady goes to that office and with Steve Ensminger, who is just constantly ironing out all the details of this offense with them. He's practically another coach. So then once spring practice ended, you know, once they're doing all these, these players only workouts all summer and spring, he's the guy who's genuinely coaching this offense and getting on page. And they don't put anything into this offense that Joe Burrow is not comfortable with. And he doesn't like something he tells them. So I think that's the key piece, in my opinion, of why it went from 
working to working this well. And it's it's pretty off the charts how well it's worked so far. But as we know, they haven't played a defense like Florida's yet. Yeah, and uh, with, with this new look offense, you know, the, this fast-paced offense, you know, it also means not the traditional LSU run game that we're used to seeing, but the talent's still there. With SEC play ramping up, do you expect to see this unit featured more starting with this Florida game, or is it kind of just what we've seen so far in, in this high-attack passing game? Yeah, I think, you know, there are some problems with the LSU run game. I think the running backs have actually been pretty fantastic, but the, the run blocking has been a little suspect. For example, I'd point to the fact that Claude Edwards-Hilaire, you know, he's the last in the SEC in yards before contact. But but still like third in broken tackle percentage and LSU's like 26 in success rate and that that shows that this LSU offensive line is leaving him out to drive quite often at the line of scrimmage. He's just bailing them out because he's so good at making people miss and I think that that speaks volumes. So I don't think that's going to work as well against you know a Florida for example. But I'm, I'm interested. I think my answer to your question would be they're going to play. They're going to run if the defense is giving that to them. You know so. I think they know that passing game is where their bread's buttered. So if that's what teams are giving them, they're, if, if they're in a 50-50 situation, I think they'd rather pass. Their passing game is so efficient. Some of those short passes they do are so, like, they complete about 85%. Of, it's almost like a run play anyway. They're going to go there. But for Utah State game, for example, Utah State was so focused on stopping the pass. They, you know, they, they only pretty much put five, six guys in the box and just left LSU running numbers. And that's why LSU ran for 250 yards last week because it was just open. So that's my kind of question is I think they'll run more heavy if you give it to them. And I'm interested to see how Florida plays in that sense because, I mean, I'll defer to you on this, but, you know, it seems like Todd Grant is much less aggressive this year and probably can't, he's letting guys, he's trusting guys in one-on-one situations. I mean, do you think he will kind of leave the running numbers open and going to challenge LSU to run on them? I'm curious. Yeah, going back, you know, we we do go back to that Auburn game last week, you know, as the most recent example of not necessarily bringing blitz a whole lot. And I think that's because he knew Bo Nix was limited in, in, in passing the ball, not as accurate as he really needed to be. So definitely starting that game off with, you know, only rushing four, especially with how Jonathan Grenard's playing. Zuniga comes back this week as well, or we think he'll come back this week versus LSU. So that gives you another weapon that you don't necessarily have to bring uh, in a blitz package. And uh, I, I kind of do think maybe early on, just to maybe get Burrow to hear some footsteps that maybe not that maybe is not there later on in the game. Bring some pressure early, see how it affects him early on, and then maybe dial it back. Uh, so you know you can you can confuse him a little bit. But yeah, Todd Grantham even and spoke about it this week is you know what confused Peyton Manning when he went up against him was Peyton Manning had a hard time identifying where that fourth rusher would would come from. So uh, I do think we kind of just see uh, as the game plays out, maybe not as much blitzing, but early on, I think we do see it. Okay. That's, yeah, that's interesting because it is fascinating how I think this LSU offense almost works better if teams try to pressure them. That's almost what they want because they, one Burroughs just so good at getting the ball out fast. He knows exactly where he wants to go with the ball. But also this receiving core is just – I mean, I'd probably put number two in the SEC behind Alabama right now. It's pretty off the charts right now. And I, it seems you know they, they want that because they can get the ball out fast to one of those guys, and all of a sudden they have one-on-one situations where they can win. So and I'm fascinated by that idea of Brantham kind of being more conservative is not the right word, but trusting those one-on-ones because I think the only – I haven't seen LSU truly struggle yet, but the only times I've seen teams limit them a little – was when, you know, for example, as much as LSU ran on Utah State, 
when they dropped those guys back and went with three-man rushes, LSU kind of struggled to, you know, I think that was the only time you ever saw Joe Burrow look a little rusty was when he was kind of struggling to find somebody when they were, they were keeping guys back. And Utah State doesn't have the pass rush Florida does. So, I mean, if a team can genuinely get a rush like Florida can with only three or four guys, and this is not a very good LSU offensive line, and they're keeping guys back in coverage, I think that's the, that's the way a team could probably get to LSU if anyone can. Yeah, that's kind of where this next matchup, yeah, you mentioned the receivers, and I, and I kind of agree there too because what I do want to see if Florida is only rushing, you know, say three or four guys, and t- he he trusts, you know, Marco Wilson, C.J. Henderson to, to be on these LSU receivers, and the more, you know, defenders you can set back, you know, those windows get a little bit tighter anyway, and then playing this Florida defense, of, of course, you know, the windows are going to be tight uh, in the first place more than likely, so, uh, or at least compared to what LSU has seen so far. So, you know, with this deep wide receiver core and what, three, the top three guys have 19 touchdowns between them, I think, with with Jefferson, Marshall, and, and Chase, you know, Marshall may not be able to go this week uh you know so you know what do those guys bring to the table and if marshall isn't ready to go who can we look at taking his place yeah i think uh what, what makes this group so so dominant is that they all kind of do different things you know justin jefferson is you know that kind of perfect route runner really quick really good feet he just knows how to get open as well as anybody and he's you know he was their best receiver last year as an outside guy by a wide margin on the slot where he's just you know, teams. It's. I'm curious on what Florida will do against them because teams really struggle to find a good matchup for him in the middle. That's obviously true of most slot receivers, but he's been able to make a killing there. Jamar Chase is just that complete. You know, Jamar Chase looks like he's going to be a first round NFL draft pick next season. Like he's just he he he's a big a bit of everything where he has that kind of quickness like a Justin Jefferson, but man, he is just so balanced and so strong and can can win these one on one matchups and jump balls and whatnot. And then. Terrace Marshall, although I don't expect him to play this week, is that 6'4", 200, you know, I don't know, 20, 30-pound, just big body who's a freak athlete. He's a great deep ball threat. He's a great red zone threat. He's, he's just, you know, he's, he, there's a reason he was the, you know, top 20 player in the country coming out of high school. He's, a, he's just a physical stud. So I think they all kind of add something different. Without Marshall, you know, I, I think that – I think this would be the game where you actually – overall, I think they're fine without Marshall. I mean, they're pretty deep yeah. receiver. You know, their, their next guy up there, Dylan, had, you know, I think six catches for 70-something yards last week. And Trey Palmer was the top 100 recruit, if I remember correctly. You know, they, they got bodies they like a lot there. But, but Marshall's something, you know, when you're facing a pass rush like Florida's, I wonder if you, you need that big body that you can just trust to throw it up to sometimes, you know. And uh, so not having Marshall does kind of sting there. But in the grand scheme of things, I think LSU will, will manage okay. And one of the things they're best at is, spreading that field and, and attacking the middle of the field and just pitting a defense where they're not. So I don't think it's, I don't think very much of their offense revolves around like who are we getting the ball to on this play? It's where can we spread the defense? So in that sense, I think they'll, they'll manage it. Okay. All right. Brody Miller from the athletic joining us here on Gators breakdown before we let him go, we'll take a look at this Tigers defense. Uh, the Tigers are fighting some injuries there uh, as well on, on that side of the ball. Now, what's the status of? Uh, I mean, you probably have to go through a list of names here. So, you know, what's the status on the uh, on the health of the defense for the Tigers heading into this game? Yeah. So, as you know, I mean, they, they Rashard Lawrence. They're you know probably their best overall defensive lineman. He's been out since uh, since the Texas game. I would expect him to go. He practiced some pads on Tuesday. I personally think he could have played against Utah State if need be, and they were just like, hey, let's save him for Florida. Michael Divinity, also another guy who's been out since uh, he's been out since the Vanderbilt game. 
Uh, he's their, you know, one of the better inside and outside linebackers. He's kind of versatile in that sense. He's somebody who I think, uh, I think he will play as well. I'm not sure how much he will play. I'm not sure what his role will be considering the inside linebackers have really stepped up ahead of him while he's been out and whatnot. So, and then Caleb on chase on return against Utah state. So he's back to nearly a hundred percent. The other one that's definitely worth watching is Glenn Logan. Glenn Logan has really come along. He's one of their second best defensive lineman, in my opinion. He's also out since the Texas game. Uh, I think he's pra- he practiced in pads Tuesday, so that's a good sign. My guess would be he'll be available for Saturday, but they're, but I don't think they'll use him heavily, if, if even at all. I think he's somebody that if they need him, they'll go to, but they're really happy with how uh, you know Neil Farrell has just been dominating on the defensive line the last few weeks. I think they're confident enough in him where they're not going to force a Glenn Logan. And then the last one is Cordell Flott, the, the freshman who isn't a starter, but they, they've been experimenting a little bit with, with some third down formations of Christian Fulton moving over to nickel and then using Flott on the outside. Flott got hurt against uh, against Utah State, so he's he's questionable for this week, and Ed Ogeron doubted he would play. But that's not a huge loss. If anything, it's just more, okay, now this depth is pretty low. And you know, given Florida's struggles running the ball, many were surprised when Ed Orgeron mentioned he doesn't think the game will come down to pass rushing, but stopping Florida's run game. And I actually get that sentiment, though, because, you know, if Florida was somehow able to get the run game going, you know, there's an opportunity to keep that LSU offense on the sideline. Yeah, I'm really interested there because, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I saw a lot of Florida fans in my mentions about Ed Orgeron's <laughs> quote that, yeah, that, that's about stopping the run. Uh, I, I obviously Florida's better at throwing the ball this year, but I don't know. I I think in a lot of ways LSU matches up somewhat well. I think the one place that Florida could probably beat them is attacking the middle of the field in the past game. That's where that's where Texas had a lot of success. But in the run game, I just kind of I give the advantage to LSU because you know right now I think it's what number ten in the country in yardage, and no, they have by no means played any run you know any any great running games. But that defensive line, if healthy, looks really good and. And that linebacking core is, you know, you know, Patrick Queen and Jacob Phillips have been really good stuff with the run. I, I, I don't know. I'm curious how Florida will attack them as well, because you're right. I think, I think a big part of Dan Mullen's strategy will probably be trying to suck the air out of the ball a little bit and reduce that, that chance for that offense. But I just don't know if, uh, if this matchup is well built for Florida to run the ball well. Yeah, you just you know, I'm not sure either. You on the surface, it you know, it would kind of be a wash anyway. But with the way the Florida run game has struggled so far this year, you know, I don't necessarily know if they're going to find the magic formula, you know, this week and and going against the uh, you know the not only the LSU defense, uh, but the crowd noise as well, and how much of a difference that can make. Uh, Brody, what you guys got going on uh, at the Athletic and previewing this Florida LSU game this week? Yeah, so uh, I guess the starters, uh, my colleague, as you know, Will Salmon, uh, covering Florida for the Athletic, he and I kind of have contrasting pieces where he had one up today showing, you know, all the ways that Florida's offense needs to needs to have success against LSU's defense. So he was focusing on that matchup. Then I'll have a story in the coming days on, on Joe Brady and this LSU offense going against Todd Grantham's dominant defense. So we'll have that coming. I had a, I had a feature today run on, on LSU's nose tackle who uh, – let's just say has struggled with weight at times and, uh, and kind of his journey to get that weight down and whatnot. And then uh, Will and I will actually have a, a live Q and a running tomorrow, tomorrow at uh, at 1 PM your time. So if you guys can check, if anyone wants to check that out, that'd be awesome. 
Awesome, man. Yeah, Will joins me every Sunday to, to review the game, so he'll be on uh, Gators Breakdown Sunday. But I can't thank enough, man, uh, for you coming on Gators Breakdown and, and the great work you guys uh, do over there at The Athletic. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. All right, a big game calls for a big preview, and it is strength on strength when the Gators travel to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. The Tigers' total offense ranks second in all of college football and first in the SEC with 571 yards of offense, first in the country in scoring offense with 54.6 points per game, second in the country and first in the SEC, 416 yards per game, third in the country, second in the SEC with a rating of 203.89. This offense throws it around and will have their best test versus this Gators defense, but that works both ways. Now, this is a Gators defense that is 10th in the country, um, you know, for, uh, for for total defense and second in the SEC at 276 yards per game, ninth in the country and second in the SEC in passing efficiency with a rating of 103.7, a defense that ranks first in the country with 17 takeaways and second in the country in opponent red zone touchdown percentage, also third in the country and first in the SEC in sacks with 26, Fourth in the nation, first in the SEC, and tackles for loss with 50. This defense creates turnovers, and and this defense creates havoc, unlike LSU has seen so far this season. Now go back to the last episode. Mention it last episode. LSU hasn't faced a top 100 pass defense all season. Georgia Southern's pass defense yards per game ranks 103rd. Texas, 126th. Vanderbilt, 118th. Utah State, 114th. Florida ranks 18th in yards per game pass defense. To be fair, Florida has not faced a passing attack like this LSU passing attack either. Miami is the best coming in as the 11th ranked yards per game pass offense. Kentucky, 88th. Tennessee, 86th. Auburn at 105. LSU comes in at second in the nation in that category. So once again, this is strength on strength. It's not, you know, not all about stats, of course. The eye test tells us that both of these units are among the nation's best and a great matchup for both. So what is it, you know, what is Todd Grantham going to dial up to confuse Joe Burrow, who's completing 78% of his passes? You know, where is Todd Grantham going to, to send that fourth rusher from? How often will he need to send more than four? And, and more importantly, how often will he need to do it? And, you know, Grantham can allow more players to sit in coverage while getting pressure with, with four than expect more turnovers forced by this Gators defense. Yes, Joe Burrow has played well uh, with pressure in his face this year. And, uh, as Zach Goodall from Sports Illustrated's Gator Maven pointed out in one of his articles this week, Burrow is completing about 70% of his 42 passes under pressure on 58 dropbacks, 496 yards, 6 touchdowns, and 0 interceptions. So when Florida produces pressure with three or four, or, or even when they blitz, the pressure needs to get home and hit Burrow as much as possible. Make him start hearing footsteps to get in his head. The speed will be faster than any defense he's seen all year, and the windows will be tighter, of course. So there's going, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity to blitz. I don't know how often Grantham will do it. Didn't do it too too much last week versus Auburn. Don't think he needed to because you know Bo Nix is not as accurate as a passer uh, as what we're going to see with with Joe Burrow. But I, you know I think Todd Grantham knew that, and, and this defensive staff knew that. knew he'd probably make some mistakes. You know, just drop back in coverage, create some turnovers, and that's what the Gators did. And even with all this passing success coming from LSU, 
the Tigers' offense is still pretty balanced for the year. In 372 plays run so far, there are 184 rushes and 188 passes. So pretty balanced, and the reason I bring this up is to keep an eye on how much linebacker David Reese is on the field. Now, this is a matchup with LSU's offense and how much they like to spread it out four and five wide with their wide receivers and tight ends where Reese may not be in favorable matchups and may not even be on the field much at all. You know, yes, LSU might be close to 50-50, and you want Reese out there stopping the run, but this is a mismatch if he's in coverage. You expect to see more Amari Bernie, Miller, Houston out there uh, to, and to be able to keep up with the passing game of LSU We've seen all three of these guys shine at some point this season, and there is confidence they won't be as much of a liability in coverage and can also play well in the run game. So, you know, on first down or in short yardage situations, you know, we'll probably see Reese out there. Uh, but when, but you know, there's also some chances they could try to expose uh, David Reese being out there in the field, uh, out there on the field as well, and and what they like to do. So, you know, if they motion out uh, some receivers or, or spread spread out from an original formation, there just to kind of get a matchup problem there so I do think we'll see a lot of Bernie Miller and Houston out there this game I think the matchup we're all looking forward to is these Florida defensive backs led by cornerback C.J. Henderson Marco Wilson going up against LSU wide receivers Henderson versus Justin Jefferson will be a great matchup or Marco Wilson versus Justin Jefferson will be a great matchup Jefferson's leading um, is the leading wide receiver for this explosive offense for LSU five games he has 30 catches 547 yards averages 18.323 yards per catch with seven touchdowns team that with jamar chase and in one less game he has 23 catches for 451 yards with an average of 19.61 yards per catch and six touchdowns so henderson wilson matched up against those guys that'll be fun to watch and not to be overlooked but lsu they go three deep, but Terrace Marshall may not be 100%, as you heard uh, in the preview there. He suffered an injury uh, in the uh, Vanderbilt game. So he suffered a fracture in his foot. It required surgery uh, after that game. Uh, he missed the last game versus Utah State. Did return to practice this week, but when the pads come on, uh, he was not in practice uh, the, uh, on Tuesday of this week. But he has 20 catches for 304 yards and six touchdowns as well. So uh, they'll be missing uh, a piece there. But this LSU offense and these receivers are pretty deep. Move on to the other side of the ball. And, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, the Gators offense. And Orgeron mentioned he wants to see his defense and, and his defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, better prepared than it was last season uh, at Florida when the Gators totaled 391 yards of offense. 215 of that were on the ground. So Dan Mullins won his last two over Aranda. Uh, as uh, his Mississippi State team two years ago beat LSU 37-7 to with 465 total yards and 292 on the ground in that game. And Orgeron said this week, we looked at Mississippi State film from two years ago. You know, we watched it. We're looking at Dan's history. He's a big formation guy. He's going to try to hit you where your weaknesses are. So that's going to be key for us this week. And Orgeron mentioned, of course, they studied last year's uh, Florida LSU game and quote they ran the speed option on us we were out of position he said they ran the quarterback throwback we were out of position we just got to be in position and we've got to make plays so Mullins had some success recently versus defensive coordinator Dave Aranda and Mullins was able to produce those results the, the last two years because 
there was a threat of the quarterback run, quarterback power, speed option, and, and that's why I think we will see Emory Jones more than we have. He proved last week he's not just a one-trick pony and, and can only run. Uh, I'm not saying he can sling it with the best of them, but the dual threat is there and must be accounted for for this LSU defense. This is a game where Mullen gets creative with Jones to help jumpstart this run game. He'll continue to spread out around his defense, get a numbers advantage, and it'll be up to the offensive line to create some lanes, push back this LSU defensive front, and control the game. And so, you know, with that, what wrinkle will Mullen have to, to, to try and get this run game going? Probably not going to replicate the last two performances that we just went over uh, with this offensive line, but, but, but running the ball can really change the look of this game because of the, the Tigers' breakneck, breakneck pace on offense. I mean, LSU offense averages uh, two minutes, five seconds per touchdown drive, much different than what we're used to seeing from an LSU team. And in the game against Texas, they scored four touchdowns in under three minutes. So Florida really needs to be able to keep this LSU offense on the sideline as much as possible so the defense can rest as much as possible and can continue to play with that, with that speed we know all game long. Not only will this slow down, slow down the game, but it'll help protect Kyle Trask as well, who may not be 100%. Also, you know, limits hits that he can, that he can take when he's in there. Florida cannot afford for him to keep fumbling when he gets hit. Hopefully he can get through his reads faster. The wide receivers can get open versus a really good LSU secondary. Because if he's not, you know, he's not going to be able to take off too much and get many yards with his injuries. So if this run game can get going, it really will help slow down the LSU pass rush. Florida can continue to excel in, in using play action like they have so far this year, giving Trash time to hit some throws down the field. If the run game isn't serviceable, then I think this game turns into a shootout that I'm not so sure Florida can score enough in. And we mentioned this LSU defense looks to be getting healthier. Uh, Michael Divinity has a chance to play after missing the Utah State game with an injury. So does our defensive end, Rashard Lawrence, hasn't played since the Texas game. You know, we went over these injuries there. Glenn Logan may be limited, but expected to play there, so... You know, there may be some chances for this Florida offense there, but I don't like I don't like the chances if it's a shootout. So this one's a tough call for me. Uh, my heart says Florida, of course, uh, the, the fan of me there. Uh, but this is the toughest test uh, of the season. And there are three things I look at when I think a game is going to be close. Where the game is being played, the head coaches, and the quarterbacks. LSU has the home field advantage, and they have the better quarterback. Dan Mullen is the better head coach. In, in the end, it's tough for me to see Florida's offense scoring enough. Uh, as much as I, I talked about the run game needing to get going, I just don't think Florida has enough to get it going uh, where it needs to be uh, to win this game. But Dan Mullen's going to have something there to help, but I don't think the offensive line holds up enough. Uh, this, this game will turn into a bit of a shootout, but in the end, I do think this LSU offense outscores Florida, and that home crowd and that atmosphere helps LSU to a close 34-30 victory. <laughs> I'm really, really torn on this game. Uh, I'm not trying to be a homer here. You know, I saw this as a tough game before the season. I had Florida undefeated going into this game, but LSU is a bit better than I thought they'd be, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So don't, don't hate me, Gator fans. I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I want the Gators to win this game absolutely uh, there, but I just really see this one being, being tough to walk out because everything that we saw the Swamp big last week versus Auburn with game day and the crowd being raucous, the crowd being loud, and the crowd making a difference. 
I think this LSU crowd does the same versus this you know, Florida offensive line helping that LSU defense. Uh, Kyle Trask being in this situation for the first time. He's a mature He's a mature guy. I don't think it's going to get to him too much. I just think all in all, it affects the offense, false starts, uh, you know, penalties there that maybe mount up. But, uh, you know, and Florida can't keep turning the ball over either. So that's kind of how I see it com- coming out. 34-30 victory for LSU. I hope I am wrong. Before we go, let's take a look around. Games of note, of course, uh, and a big week in the SEC South Carolina and Georgia at noon. South Carolina at Georgia there. So, uh, you know, very interesting SEC East matchup. Starting to get into a lot of SEC games uh, at this point of the year. So, this big SEC matchup, South Carolina and Georgia, in the week before Florida plays South Carolina. So, uh, you know, South Carolina playing a physical Georgia team uh, the week before they play the Gators. Mississippi State and Tennessee. Uh, Maurer there, is he the future quarterback uh, there for, for the Volunteers? Played pretty well last week in his first start, uh, but Mississippi State comes to town this week uh, in Knoxville, so a pretty good SEC matchup uh, there. Uh, 3.30 p.m., uh, you know, this is the CBS game instead of Florida LSU, uh, Alabama at Texas A&M. And uh, we'll see, you know, does Jimbo have anything uh, for Alabama or Alabama role, uh, Texas A&M? Uh, Texas A&M sits at 3-2 and two right now. So um, lose this game, and they'll be looking at a 500 record. 4 o'clock on the SEC Network, UNLV at Vanderbilt. 7 o'clock, Ole Miss and Missouri. Uh, Missouri looking good besides uh, that week one loss to Wyoming. So Ole Miss comes to town. He's also coming off a big win uh, over Vanderbilt. So I want to keep an eye on that game uh, there. You know, maybe it's a little bit of, a little bit high-scoring game there. At 7.30, Arkansas and Kentucky. And, of course, 8 o'clock, the Gators and LSU. Take a look. Other teams of note, of course, Friday night. Friday night is Virginia at Miami, so Miami need, looking to bounce back after that disappointing loss to Virginia Tech last week, and also uh, FSU and Clemson. Clemson, big, big favorites over the Seminoles. All right, that'll do it for this big preview episode of Gators Breakdown, previewing the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gator Breakdown.